You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with a superior skincare that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black, $10 plus free shipping. Available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. We're a month away from the Seattle expansion draft and the NHL entry draft, and then there's free agency right around the corner after that. It's a lot of chaos in a very short amount of time, so we're trying to get you all caught up on where the Kings stand heading into what could be the most eventful offseason in quite a while. We've been talking prospects and player evaluations for a few weeks, and we'll continue to do so right up to the weekend before the Kraken pick their team. So far, we've covered the top prospects from Sweden and Finland, and this week, we'll tackle the CHL. Meanwhile, at LAKingsInsider.com, Zach Dooley has been doing his series of player evaluations, with me and Daryl Evans playing along. This week, we've got the evaluations for Drew Doughty, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker, but make sure you didn't miss any of the player evaluations or draft prospect episodes from the past few weeks, and make sure you're subscribed so you won't miss any of the future episodes. All right, let's talk right shot defensemen. We're looking at the defense today. We're going to start on the right side, and we're going to start with a name that everybody knows, a player that everybody loves, and we're talking about Drew Doughty. Um, I want to compare last season to this season first, because last season, Matt Roy was actually named... Um, best defenseman on the team by the media voting. And uh, there was some controversy surrounding that. But last season, Drew Doughty played 67 games, scored seven goals, 28 assists, 35 points, minus 16, um, 36 penalty minutes. This season, 56 games, eight goals, 26 assists, 34 points, minus 14, 26 penalty minutes. Just on the surface, the numbers don't look that different. But Daryl, to me, he was a completely different player this year. How about you? Uh, in my opinion, he was a completely different player as well. Uh, I thought he had an outstanding year, Jesse. Uh, his numbers, I thought he was more aggressive offensively. I think the uh, he really uh, played a big part into the success of the power play, especially you know in the first 25 games where we were averaging a power play goal a game. And I thought a lot of that was upon his work. Uh, he was shooting the puck more. He something that he'd worked on, uh, you know, leading into the season. And I thought it uh, paid dividends when the power play came about. The I thought he did a really good job this year at uh, creating a platform for his young defense partners, Mikey Anderson, uh, Toby Bjornfoot in particular. Those two guys, their games grew uh, incredibly. And I thought Drew Doughty, if he if he's not on the Kings in a team that you know that gets themselves into the playoffs. I think he's in a Norris, uh, Norris Trophy co- uh, conversation. Uh, I thought he had that that good a year and not much of an impact on, on his hockey club. Yeah, it's funny. He's a guy, and I used to say this all the time in the early years of his career, I'd say if he played in Toronto, he'd already have two statues, right? Like he's, <laughs> But he plays out here in L.A. <laughs> um, so it's, it feels like Canada sort of ignores that he exists until it's Olympics time. But um, 
you know, he he did play all those minutes with Mikey Anderson, as you mentioned. I think over 800 as a as a tandem, which is very close to tops in the league. I don't think it's the most uh, any pair played, but I think it's at least top three or top five, perhaps. Um, w- was there was there anything about uh, his pairing with uh, whether it was Anderson or Bjornfoot? pairing with those younger players that you think may have energized him, or do you think it was his influence on them that made them look so good? It might be a combination of both, Jesse. I think and when, you, when you're a player like Drew Doughty, and you can impact not only an individual's game, but a team's game so much. Uh, there's, a lot, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot upon you, a lot on your shoulders. And I think there was, there was a, a difference in Drew Doughty this year, maturity in his game that uh, – you know, that he may have recognized, uh, you know, from, from the little bit of that time off and, and kind of maybe getting a little bit of a better grip on where the team was in with regards to realistically where, you know, where, you know, where they, you know, a, a team that was competing to get in the playoffs, where they a team that, uh, you know, was going to be a Stanley Cup contender. You know, when you play at that level, you know, your entire life, you want to remain competitive. And I think he put a little bit more of his attention uh, just – Kind of just not even, I don't want to even say more of his attention. I think he just focused upon getting back and having fun playing the game again, and that's exactly what showed in his game. And I think he he did get energized, uh, rejuvenated with those young guys. Uh, you know, I understand. You know, again, we weren't around them each and every day like we normally would be, but he really fed off of their energy. Uh, and both the guys, and knowing both Bjornfoot and Mikey Anderson, those are two individuals that are they're quality people both on and off the ice. And I, I can see them both looking up to Drew, you know, kind of like he's he's a hockey god out there, you know, like they're young guys at such a young age and they're playing with a guy like Drew Doughty. Uh, so they absorbed that. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, when they came into the league, you know, they didn't take anything for granted. Uh, and I think they really appreciated how much Drew Doughty had an effect and impact on their game. So I think that was probably rewarding as him for him as he took on a, you know, kind of like a mentorship type of role for those young guys. And I thought that really played to his maturity and his his game, actually, just settling down and having fun because all elements of his game, I know that plus minus you look at that, but, you know, so many of those goals are when the Kings got the goaltender pulled, you know, and he's on the ice. So I really, I, I don't, you know, look too too closely at that plus minus because this year, in, in, my, in, in my opinion, he was so much better all around in his game, the control of his game, uh, the minutes that he continued to keep playing. Uh, you know, again, it was uh, very, uh, very impressive what he accomplished. Yeah, and to that point, 26 minutes, 23 seconds a game, average ice time. And, you know, you referenced um, the empty net goals and, and you know, he'll, he'll be on the ice for most of them. And that's certainly true with a guy like Drew Doughty. But it, it brings up the sort of combination of two issues that you touched on that I want to reference. One is, you know, I can remember in the last two seasons, not the one that just completely concluded but the two previous the, the bad the really bad years um <laughs> you know you'd see a game i can't remember i think it was in the 2018-19 season they were playing i think the islanders and maybe it was two to nothing in the second period or the third early in the third or something like that and somebody gets beat on a bad you know a bad coverage on the wall and the islanders are off the races boom boom it's three to nothing and then that was it right the team was done for yep. the rest of the game even though there was plenty of time left on the clock I didn't see that happening this season. You know, late in games, whether they're trying to come back or whether they're trying to hold off a team, you know, pushing to come back, which unfortunately they succeeded. 
those teams succeeded too too frequently this year. But nonetheless, you know, you'd see Drew Doughty out there blocking shots, dropping down, sacrificing the body to make the play. Like he was in every second he was on the ice, it felt like this year. And it was really nice to see it it happen again. Yeah, he was fully engaged in every game, like you say, right from the drop of the puck at the beginning to the final buzzer went. You know, whether the team was up a goal, down a goal. And let's face it, the team was in more competitive games this year. Uh, you know, especially in the early stage when they were creating a little bit more offense. And, you know, I, I think, again, you know, he's a guy that prides himself so much in the defensive part of a game. So whether it's blocking that shot, uh, disrupting a two-on-one or a three-on-two break against him, he takes so much pride in that part of his game. And, you know, this is this is where it even becomes probably more magnified where these young guys, the impression that you're going to leave upon them, you know, that, uh, you know, they can look at it and say, hey, Drew Dowdy, you know, how many years he's been in the league, you know, the things that he's accomplished and, and all that, whether it's be personal or team things. And yet here's a game that, you know, really is out of reach and it's all for all intents and purposes. It's, you know, it's all over, said and done with, but he's still playing the game like they're, you know, in the Stanley Cup final, like it's a, you know, one goal game. So that's a credit to him. And, and uh, again, uh, you know, whether it's a switch that went off, you know, in the, from the previous year, uh, it's, it's great to see, you know, Drew Doughty back. And, you know, he probably, he'll probably tell you that, you know, he didn't change a lot of things in his game, but I think it was just his overall, it just, I think he just got back to really having fun in the game again. And, and, and you could see it and you can only imagine how much that'll be kind of blown up when you get people in the building each and every game that they're in, because he's an entertainer. Uh, you know, he, he, he leaves it on the ice. Uh, he's not one of those guys that, you know, keeps those feelings inside. And if he's got something to say or, or, you know, or, or show out there, you're, you're going to see it or you're going to hear it, uh, you know, whether it be an interview or he's going to show it and display it with his play, uh, you know, and it's, sometimes it's facial expressions, the engagement with the opposition's players, uh, you know, with guys like, let's say, Kachuk with Calgary or something like that. He's gonna he's gonna do what he feels it you know it's gonna help his team the best and uh, he's a very unselfish player he's always looking out for the best of his team and again his numbers offensively uh, he could you know continue to keep you know putting numbers up there but he's all he's he's probably takes more pride in breaking up a two on one or blocking a shot or preventing a goal late in the game than he does you know in scoring a, a scored a goal or or making a play uh you know he he's a he's a complete hockey player uh that's probably you know something that everybody said you know a ton of times throughout his career uh he's a complete hockey player and I, I think that goes to show in the way the coaches use him whether you're up a goal down a goal he's the first guy that's on the ice for your defense power play penalty kill you use him in all situations and and he doesn't want to let that go. He wants to continue to keep doing that. And there's no reason for him not to uh, as he continues to keep excelling in those areas. He's been pretty vocal about enjoying playing with Mikey Anderson. Now, he's usually pretty complimentary to whoever he plays with. Um, but he's been particularly complimentary of Mikey Anderson and has expressed um, in no uncertain terms a desire to play with Mikey Anderson for at least five or six years. Those are his words. Now, <laughs> ordinarily I don't really get involved in that sort of thing. I don't really care, but I really like them as a pair. And I've gone on the record as saying, I want Drew Doughty and Mikey Anderson to play five or six years together. If the two of them want to, um, I'm on, I'm on team Doughty Anderson, but uh, I know I'm in the minority on that front. I know a lot of people think that uh, the team needs to find a dynamic young puck moving left-handed defenseman under the age of 25 who costs less than four, blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> they want the kind of player that every team wants. But I guess my question to you is 
Um, based on having watched all of Drew Doughty's career, do you think he plays better with a Jake Muzzin type or with a Rob Scuderi type? Yeah, you know, that's 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 a tough question. The games have kind of changed from when uh, when Doughty played with Scuderi and mm-hmm. when he played with Jake Muzzin. Uh, I think there's a little bit more of a blend there. I think uh, because of Drew's attention to defense, uh, you know, and the pride that he takes in a defensive part of the game, he could probably get away with that uh, that more of a puck-moving defender in today's NHL, as we see. Uh, it's so important today for the for the defenseman to become that fourth guy on the attack, to get more aggressive in the offensive zone. So, And I think Mikey Anderson, I think even Toby Bjornfoot, I think those guys are going to be guys that are going to develop more of that as time goes by. Uh, and still in saying that, I think the Kings are in need of a, a little bit more of an experienced defenseman back there whether or not it's that left shot, the guy that plays with plays with Drew Doughty, allowing those other guys to grow, uh, you know, time will only tell as to, you know, who felt, who fits that spot. But I think when you look at the year that just went by, it's got to be the toughest year for anybody because it's their first year. And for Drew, it's first year with those guys uh, to be able to build a little bit of rapport. So I think Drew's comfortable and there's no doubt anybody that wants to, play is going to be comfortable playing with Drew Doughty because he creates or creates a platform for everybody to succeed in. He makes himself available. He's in the right spot. And one thing that you can guarantee on, you can put, you know, put money in a bank that Drew Doughty is going to be vocal. And that's one thing that Todd McClellan has said that he wants his players to communicate. He wants to hear the guys on the ice more. Well, if you got young guys that want to learn, learn from the best and Drew Doughty's the best. So uh, I see those guys see a lot of ice time with Drew Doughty over the next number of years. We're talking about a player that I voted for in 2019 and 20 as the uh, best defenseman on the LA Kings. I did not vote for him in 2020-21. That's no fault of his own. We're talking about Matt Roy, Steady Eddie, as the coaching staff has uh, has called him. Bit of a rough uh, year this year, Daryl. Uh, didn't miss a ton of games with the injury, but did have that injury. 44 games played, two goals, eight assists, 10 points, uh, even on the plus minus after putting up a plus 16 last season. Average 19 minutes, 15 seconds ice time, the most in his career, his third season now. Uh, what did you think of Matt Roy this year, Daryl? You know, I you know, I think when I look at Roy's game, you know, and he's at the stage of his career right now where, you know, he's trying to establish himself uh, and maybe become a more of a complete player. Uh, saying that meaning maybe made a little bit more offense, finding a way he can contribute a little bit more offensively. There's no doubt he's a very, a very trustworthy and reliable defender. Uh, a guy that's very easy to play with as well, very predictable. You know exactly what you're going to get from shift to shift, game to game, regardless of the opponent that you're on the ice with. Uh, I just think what the Kings need out of him is a little bit more uh, production and offense. And that might come you know, via confidence and things like that. And as the team kind of transitions into a, a little bit more of an offensive-minded uh, team with the, with the systems that they put in place. But uh, I thought his year was real solid again. Uh, as he gets to, uh, you know, know the NHL, know the players, the opponents that he's playing against, the style from some of the different teams from night to night, uh, he's going to continue to keep improving. But he's got uh, he's got a great basis underneath him, and there's a lot of room for growth there. I don't think we're anywhere near his ceiling yet, so that's a good sign. It means he's got a lot of a lot of good time, a lot of good games, and a future ahead. Uh, not only uh, in the NHL, but with the Kings. He's a soft-spoken guy, um, and he plays. I think maybe a soft spoken game. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I just mean, you know, he's one of those players that I very rarely notice 
when he's on the ice. And, and that's the sort of litmus test for a good defenseman, right? You don't, yeah, it's there, right? If you never say a, a defenseman's name in the course of the game, chances are he's either playing five minutes or, you know, if he's playing 20 minutes like Matt Roy, he's doing his job on both ends. Um, how does he bring that extra element of offense to his game? Because he's not awful offensive and he doesn't play power play time. So, I mean, that's obviously a huge part of not picking up those extra points, but paired with a young partner in Tobias Bjornfoot, paired on a team that, that struggled to find consistency in a second line and in secondary scoring, he's not picking up those extra assists off of uh, other guys converting on a play. So how does he, how does he make his game a little louder? Well, I think it starts in, you know, in the locker room on the practices, uh, just becoming a little bit more vocal. I think, uh, you know, the confidence factor, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, as you come in and, and that's just like a, a, a natural, his natural personality that he comes in with that he has to expand upon. Uh, that, that's just a, a little bit of maturity and maybe kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone, so to speak. But I, I, I see that in him, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how high the ceiling is from the offensive output, but there's no doubt there's the ability to create more uh, as the team, you know, the forwards get some consistency in their game. Because if you look at where Matt Roy, when you know, again, five on five hockey, when you're playing, most of the time, Drew Dowdy's going to be playing on Kopitar uh, on the ice with Kopitar's line. So the Kings need that secondary scoring. And we all know the inconsistencies that the Kings have shown in that regard you know, not only last year or the last couple of years, but for a number of years, is that secondary scoring. So uh, as the Kings get a little bit more balance in that now, if, you know, if Gabe Bellardi can continue to keep pushing his game, you know, Trevor Moores, uh, Kempe and these type of guys, and, and those byfield steps into the NHL, and they're starting to put more goals on the, in the net other than that one line, I think you're going to see his offensive number come up. Uh, defensively, that's exactly what you want to see from a guy, you know, especially in the early years, just, establish yourself, trust, get, gain the trust of your teammates, gain the trust of your coaching staff. And then that opens up avenues, uh, different situations that you can get on the ice with. And I think he's done that. Now they're waiting for him to kind of the, the ball is in his court, so to speak. And they want him to take that next level uh, in the offensive zone. I think that's where he can create that by, you know, getting down below the hash mark. Sometime we saw that at times, just the inconsistency of it. Uh, but a lot of that has to do with trusting, you know, again, making sure that, you know, that the forwards are coming back, covering you at the blue line. I think he can get more involved in the attack. Uh, you know, he can work on a shot in, you know, in, in practice time, in the off season uh, to just, to, you know, maybe, maybe get it off a stick a split second quicker. Uh, but, you know, I think that that'll come naturally as it goes. Again, a lot of it will be with, uh, you, know, you know, the guys that he's on the ice with by them being able to get to the front of the net, pick up on some of his rebounds, some redirections, and him getting a little bit more aggressive uh, in the offensive zone, maybe a little bit uh, selfish, so to speak, uh, until he, you know, if he ever does get himself any power play time. But defenses, again, is the key to his game. His strong reads will lead him into uh, putting himself into positions where he'll have the puck on his stick to be able to involve, be involved more offensively. He did have that rough injury against the Minnesota Wild. Um it was the first major injury of his career. Um, he might have gotten a nick or a bruise here or there that kept him out for a night or two. I mean, he's still pretty young in his career. But did you see any impact on his game coming back from that injury? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a little bit there. I, you know, I think uh, just na you know natural tendency. You know, you take an injury like that, you're you're a little tentative. Uh, you know, I think the best thing is to go out and you know get yourself involved physically, get hit a little bit. Um, 
And because of, you know, the type of year that we went through this past season, um, you know, the, the players, you don't have that practice time. So some of the things that the coaches can, you know, work on and uh, those timing issues and, and again, those confidence things uh, he wasn't really able to do. So I would expect him anytime you get like a, and I, I look at that as a serious injury, you know, especially for somebody maybe who hasn't been hurt, at least at this level, um, it takes time to, to, to rebound. And it's usually that next season when you see that full, you know, full recovery come into effect. So I expect him to be back to himself and confident and comfortable playing in all situations. And it'll be something that uh, he'll, uh, he'll he'll look upon that really never happened. And uh, he'll, he'll just go about his game as, as he knows it. Today, we're talking about Sean Walker. Um ostensibly the third pair right-handed defenseman for the LA Kings, although I suppose he can play up on the second pair. In a pinched, averaged 18 minutes and 10 seconds, not that far behind uh, Matt Roy, who's the second pair. Uh, 47 games, 5 goals, 13 assists, 18 points, minus 13. As I said, 18 minutes and 10 seconds. Last season, uh, in 70 games, 5 goals, 19 assists, 24 points. Uh, with 26 penalty minutes in uh, a few more seconds per game, 1850. Daryl, Sean Walker and Matt Roy seem to me to be sort of flip sides of the same coin. Matt Roy's the penalty-killing version of Sean Walker. Sean Walker's the power play version of Matt Roy. But Sean Walker's game has a little bit more um, offensive punch to it. I mean, obviously, if he's getting the power play minutes, but his skating's better, his speed is better. Um, What do we like about uh, Sean Walker this season? I think a lot of those things that you just said, Jesse, uh, you know, it's his skating ability, uh, his hockey IQ, the instincts that he has. And that's why he gets that power play time because he's on the ice with your, you know, your most creative players that, that he can not only jump in and be with, but I think he can complement uh, as well. He shoots the puck well enough uh, to be able to get shots through from the point. Uh, we did see him score some goals. And I thought there was a big, uh, a big increase. In the latter part of this season, that confidence seemed to really jump out. He was aggressive on jumping up and joining the play, and and his numbers reflected that. Um, and you know, as we said, uh, you know, even with Matt Roy, as the Kings start to get a little bit more depth scoring up front, I think you'll see his offensive numbers improve, which will take away a little bit from the you know that that plus minus that he has uh, because he'll be on the ice for more goals for and less goals against. So structural payoff defensively for him. Uh, you know, playing with with guys that have a little bit more experience as all the kids continue to keep getting older. And then offensively, I think we'll see his numbers grow both on the power play where he can be a contributor and uh, playing with guys that are, are, are going to be a little bit more aggressive and uh, a little bit more capable of, uh, of finishing plays. I mean, you look at the next wave of young players coming for the Kings, you know, be it they're going to want them to play a, you know, complete 200 uh, foot game. But you look at the guys like Byfield, Kaliev, Turcotts, uh, you know, uh, Kupari. All these guys got offensive flair to their game, and they're going to expect some offense from them. So he'll be on the ice with the likes of, you know, those players that are a little bit more creative as opposed to the players that are more of a dump and chase style uh, type of player, which allows him to be able to get involved in the attack. You mentioned his offense seemed to come alive a little bit late in the season. There was a lot of talk in the middle of the season about a lack of offense from the blue line. Um, A lot of that, I suspect, um, as we said with Matt Roy, comes from, you know, a a breakdown on the forward's ability to put the puck in the net. So defensemen aren't getting those secondary assists, those primary assists. A guy like Sean Walker can score, again, five goals this year and five goals last season. Uh, Last season, 
those five goals coming in a lot more games than the five did this year. We heard early in the season that the Kings might be one of the teams more adversely affected by the pandemic because they had more young players and more new players. So chemistry wasn't there. Familiarity wasn't there. And to your point about the practices, it would be difficult to get it. Whereas teams that had played together for a number of seasons would be able to rely on past experience. How much of a role do you think that played in Sean Walker's offense coming alive late in the season after he had a chance to play with a a stable partner and get used to the new, new teammates? Yeah, I think it played a big part, uh, you know, aside, you know, like, like Roy, he too had an injury, uh, you know, that, you know, set him back a little bit there. And, um, you know, again, with, with young players like that, you know, especially on defense, when you're looking like at a partner and having a consistent partner out there, you learn each other's tendencies. And it's almost like having an extra guy on the ice, uh, knowing that when you see a player doing a certain thing, this is what is probably his next move is going to be. And the verbal communication, uh, you know, talking on the ice, that'll continue to keep growing. He's got to get louder, a little bit more vocal in that regard, and that he will do that. And I think, you know, as time goes by, the more that you're around, you know, some of the younger guys are now looking at guys like Roy and Walker is that kind of that middle tier player. So, you know, the the 18, 19 year olds that are coming up, these guys are, so to speak, uh, seasoned veterans. So uh, they'll look for that. And and I think he's capable of, of providing that type of, of that leadership, uh, both, uh, you know, by example on the ice in his play, but uh, vocally in the locker room, feel more confident uh, from the platform that guys like Kopitar and uh, Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, and, you know, even guys like Carter and that, that that left and Jonathan Quick, you know, the veterans that have been around. Uh, so I think some of that will be passed down. And he's one of those guys that I think will take the, you know, the, the torch and kind of run with it a little bit and uh, become a little bit louder in all regards of his game. The injury he sustained, um, well, let's talk about the the Matt Roy injury first because they both came in the same game. They both came out of nowhere, but, and I'm certainly not saying this to blame Matt Roy, but the injury that Matt Roy sustained comes from going to a specific place on the ice, right? Somebody else has to then, you know, yeah. bre- break the rules and, and do that. But the injury that Sean Walker had was just out of nowhere, right? That could have happened anywhere on the ice, Nobody went to the wrong spot. Nobody, no, you know, nobody tried to do anything. It just, it just happened. Um, first of all, st- huge, huge stick, ta- stick taps to him for coming back as quickly as he did because um, he looked gnarly um, after taking that puck to the face. But um, is that the sort of injury that that can rattle a guy for a few games? I mean, it, it has to be, right? No doubt about it. And, and I think the key was for him to be able to get back as quickly as he did uh, to be able to overcome that. I think the longer that you stay away from it, the further away you get back from being able to transition smoothly coming back in. You know, there's no doubt that, you know, it wasn't a, a an injury that was going to end his career, that, you know, he was comfortable and confident that he was going to come back, as was the team. So the quicker that he got out there, uh, you know, the the better it was for him and for the team. There's no doubt that, you know, I'm sure it was in the back of his mind that, you know, he's a guy that's aggressive that likes to go out and, you know, get in shooting lanes. But, you know, things like that happen. Those are one of the, you know, one of the things that, you know, when we sign up to play the game that, you know, that's, that's capable of happening. It's one of those weird, weird type of things. And, uh, you know, to his credit, uh, he was able to overcome that. Probably got a lot of support from, the, you know, the training staff, the medical staff, uh, his teammates, the coaching staff. I don't think, you know, he was pushed or rushed into anything. 
I think the evolution of him getting back in there uh, just happened uh, because of the mindset that he had going into going in, you know coming out of the injury that you know he was all set and they uh, they made it comfortable for him. It, it did take a period of time, but uh, I thought that was a pretty seamless transition from you know the seriousness of uh, the type of injury that not only he suffered but Matt Roy as well. I mean those are anything anytime you get anything you know to the head, the facial area, and things like that. Those are uh, those are a little bit more magnified than other injuries. Now he went to the World Championships and he looked good doing it. One gold with Team Canada, and you know, obviously, he played a totally different role, played a totally different um, type of game with Team Canada. It's a short tournament, all that. But uh, you know, I, I'm every now and then a player comes along that just I become irrationally uh, positive about, and Sean Walker's one of those players. And last season. It seemed to me that he improved anybody that he was partnered with, whether it was Ben Hutton, Drew Doughty, um, you know, all of the different players that he played with, Curtis McDermott, et cetera, all of his partners last season. This year he's played most of the season with Curtis McDermott and only Mata. Um, but the impression I get about Sean Walker, despite all of the commentary about Matt Roy, about him being steady Eddie and, you know, a trustworthy game and everything, the impression I get about Sean Walker is that he's tremendously underrated and it seems to me that the coaching staff has just as much faith in Sean Walker as, say, Drew Doughty or Matt Roy. And that's why we can see him paired with anybody at any minute, left side, right side, you know, Doughty, McDermott, the you know, opposite ends of the spectrum um, as far as style of play or, or, or talent or experience. Um, am I just completely crazy in, in loving Sean Walker as much as I do? No, I don't think I don't think at all. Uh, you know, he is one of those guys that you know he's he's a likable guy. You know, uh, for the type of personality that he has, uh, he's a little bit more outgoing than than Roy is in the locker room when you go in and you know and get engaged in conversations with him. But uh, yeah, I think when you look at his play and again playing on a in, you know in the World Championship, I think that's a great experience for you know for not only he but other young players uh, to be able to get out there and not on that stage against you know some of the best players in the world. You know, under a different coach, uh, just getting a little different viewpoint on things. But, you know, when you look at Walker, he reminds me a little bit, almost like when Alec Martinez was with the Kings. You know, Alec Martinez had, in a way, he, he was a silent value to the team. Uh, you know, there was always the other guys, you know, you know, the Drew Dowdies and all those guys who were always, you know, on the, on the top, on the top pair. And, you know, they got the prominent ice time. But Alec Martinez, year in and year out, was one of those guys, you know, led the team in block shots, second in the league in block shots all those years, could play the left side, could play the right side, power play, penalty kill, partner him up with anybody, and you can do that. And, you know, Sean Walker seems to be trending in that direction, that, you know, he can play on the left side, you know, if in a pinch if he has to. And the guys that he's on the ice with, he seems to bring the better out of their game. Uh, I think he paid a lot more attention to the defensive part, or pardon me, to the uh, yes, to the defensive part of his game when he first was making that transition because of the offensive flair that he has to his game. He wanted to make sure he, you know, he stabilized that part of his game, and by doing that, that allows the other part of his game to really show itself. Get yourself on the right side of the puck, make yourself available for your defense partner. That allows you to be able to move, get the puck to the forwards. And we saw how aggressive he was in the latter part of the year uh, in the offensive zone, becoming involved, getting down below the hash marks. Because the trust he has within his skating ability to be able to get back and defend, it, it plays to him. So uh, he's one of those guys that uh, you know I think is you know he's probably always going to be on the on the back burner, so to speak, when it comes to not a guy that's going to grab everybody's attention. 
but one of those guys is probably most appreciated and respected by his teammates, uh, his coaching staff, and then the opposition that he plays against each and every night. I want to apologize to Sean Walker and Matt Roy right now for for something that I've been doing in these evaluations and for the last two years, which is I find it really difficult to talk about one without referencing the other. (laughs) Um, I know that they're friends. I know that they've carpooled to the games together. We had both of them on uh, together once. Uh, It was really funny talking to both of them. But I mean, they're I think they're about four months apart in age. They both shoot right. Roy's, like I said, the in my mind, they're just flip sides of the same coin. Roy's Roy's the penalty killer. Sean. Sean Walker's the uh, the power play guy, but uh, they even kind of look like each other. Or, or <laughs> as I've said, they don't not look like each other, I should say. Um, but uh, assuming that uh, Dowdy, Roy, and Walker will all be protected in the upcoming Seattle expansion draft, although nothing's written in stone. Um, but I, I just really like the right side of the Kings defense. Uh, I want to thank you as always, Daryl, for, uh, for helping us talk about it. All right, Jess, I always like talking to you and uh, enjoy yourself and look forward to talking to you again soon.